What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Game Prone Podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cruiser, and I'm here today with CJ Schultz. How you doing? And Gavin Geyer, a.k.a. Giggle Wiggles. Hey there. All right, so I just want to take a quick second to talk about what the the Game Prone Podcast is going to be about. Uh, Basically, we're just going to talk about all things gaming, uh, any platform, any system, any news related to gaming, and... It's also going to be a every other week show, so about twice a month, depending on how long your month is, I guess. And yeah, so that that's a, that's about it for what the show is going to be. Uh, we're going to jump in to talk about what, what we've all been playing. I'll start first because mine's pretty uneventful. I've been playing uh, Fallout 76, which uh, everybody apparently hates. Except for me and a few of my friends, uh, I've been enjoying it a lot. Playing it on Xbox, PC might have its own issues, which uh, could be a reason why more people don't like it. I know the beta had a lot more issues on PC, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all I've been playing. Uh, CJ, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been totally consumed by Fortnite, just about every day. Um, Pokemon came out last week, so I dived into that, working on that Pokedex, man. Beat Elite Four about two days ago, so that's about the extent of my my game endeavors right now. Yeah, <laughs> how how is Fortnite doing with all the updates? Because I haven't played in quite a while, and I know there's a lot of new stuff. It's almost overwhelming um, to think about. I mean, for the most part, I've enjoyed a lot of their recent updates and ads. Um, the big thing that I feel like everybody got caught up on was they added redeploying your glider uh, probably maybe a month ago now. That was like a, a game test they did, and then they took it out, and everybody lost their minds. So I I don't know if they're going to add it back. I hope they do. I really enjoyed it. I feel like the game played a whole lot faster, made the game a little more interesting. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what they do with the next season. Uh, I hope they add snow this time because... They've been adding all this extra stuff with the cube and map changes and all that stuff. Just give us snow, man. <laughs> Everybody likes snow, huh? I mean, being from Minnesota, I kind of have to, right? Yep. <laughs> It'd be a very interesting take on the game as well. Yeah, they could add sleds. Dude, exactly. That'd be so sick. Would be <laughs> sl- or add like little sleighs, dude. It's got to happen now. Just tell them. Just write Epic. Boom. Yep. Let them know. Send them the podcast. I'm going to write them on Twitter right now. Yep. <laughs> All right, Gavin, what have you been up to? So mainly I've been playing Call of Duty Black Ops 4 recently. Just diving into the multiplayer and just kind of trying to get that master prestige. And then a little bit going classic and playing Planet Side 2 on the PC. <laughs> And Planet Side Two, why don't you fill me in? Because I, it used to be a PlayStation game, right? Or it was, or it's both. It's both. But so then it came to PC. It originally was PC, and then they released it on uh, PS4 about a year after it was created. Oh, okay. Sorry, no, it's been about three years after it started. Um, so essentially, it's a massive, massive battle. Um, you fight on four different planets at any given time. Usually, the battles range. From about 100 versus 100 
upwards of 300 versus 300. And it's just constant action if you get in the right spot, which is pretty interesting, honestly. It's not many games can pull off huge battles like that. So it's it's fun in that aspect. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's surprising that it's still around. Just I mean, not to say it's a bad game, but... I haven't really heard much about it. You, like seeing you play, it was the first time I was like, "Planet Side Two. What is he doing playing that yeah. game?" <laughs> it's it's an older game, not not mainstream at all. I don't say, yeah, dude. I've never even heard of that game until he's talking about it right now. Yep, it it's a free to play. It's made by Daybreak Games. Um, uh, Sony Entertainment Online used to own it, and then Daybreak bought all of Sony Entertainment Online, essentially. So they own H1Z1 now and also Planetside 2. I think there's probably one or two other ones. Oh, DC Universe, I think. Don't oh, okay. don't quote. Um, but yeah, so it's it's not bad, essentially. it's They did the same thing what um, they did to H1Z1 and just focused on microtransactions. So it's a pay-to-win, yeah. definitely. Well, that... That sucks, but I mean, it's, whatever. It, if it's that big, yeah. not everyone can have all the no. the good stuff. Plenty of noobs to kill, I'm sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think the the first time I played it in the first like ha- hour, I killed like fifty some people with a sniper. Okay, so you're just like a little hide back sniper. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Okay, so you don't have a lot of skill. No, 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 I'm very (laughs) unskilled. I'm kidding. (laughs) Snipers can be good, but typically, like, quick reference to Battlefield, I hate snipers because they think they need to all be sniping when we need to push an objective. Same. It doesn't help us win. (laughs) I don't snipe on Battlefield at all for that exact reason. Yeah. So put away your snipers, Battlefield players. Speaking of that, just, like, gonna go off topic for two seconds i actually got the new battlefield but haven't played at all which i don't know if that says something about the game or not but uh there's just too many other things to play it's a very (laughs) fun game i have it for pc because i have the origin premium access i can't do it on pc though so many people are better than me and i just can't stand it i loved the beta like when me and you were playing gavin it was really fun but like I don't know. I can't bring myself to buy another Battlefield game because I feel like they're always just all the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, here's all I'll say about that is I did not like most of the Battlefield games. Like they're okay, but like vehicles were always like a really annoying thing for me. I loved Battlefield One. I don't know if it was just because it was toned down in that respect or what, but I really enjoyed it. And what kind of got me hyped for this one is like the whole, um, which I don't even know that much about, but like you can apparently build up things like rebuild buildings once buildings are like destroyed. So it's one of the classes fortifications. Everyone can do it. Um, it's just like you put sandbags down or you can build like a little sniping box or something, but very small. It's nothing. Oh, it's not very. They don't. Well, maybe they'll improve on it, though. Maybe. So I'll have to check it out and see. But yeah, I, I wish. I, I 
in my mind, I was thinking you'd do more. So if it is just that, maybe I won't be as hyped about it. But I'll have to play it, and we'll talk about it maybe next time if I if I finally get to it, depending on if I can pull myself away from these other games. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on to we have a few things of news to talk about. Uh, the first one is Activision's influence on Blizzard, and I just want to get all of our opinions on that. Uh, but to start out, there was a article on Kotaku by Jason Schreier, uh, and I'll just do first of all credit to him. Great article. Uh, go over there and read it. Uh, it's actually a very long article, and it goes over a lot of like just Diablo uh, past projects from Diablo 3 all the way into Diablo 4 and like canceled things, and uh, it will take you a while to read, but I, I recommend it. I'm just going to quote this little part from it that's sort of on topic to what we're talking about. So, uh, here it is from his article, uh, quote, In the spring of 2018, during Blizzard's annual company-wide uh, battle pass, in quotations, meeting, uh, Chief Financial Officer uh, Amrita uh, Huja, I, I butchered that, <laughs> spoke to all of the staff, according to two people who were there. In what came as a surprise to many, she told Blizzard that one of the company's goals for the company year was to save money, end quote. And then there was one more statement. Uh, this is the first year we've heard a priority being heard a priority being cutting costs and trying not to spend as much, said one person who was in the meeting. It was presented at, presented as don't spend money where it isn't necessary. So I just I thought this was interesting and there's even more to this. There's a lot a lot more quotes for uh people who work there or still work there. They're all anonymous. But it essentially sounds like more and more things are getting uh you know shaken up and Activision is slowly kind of creeping in on Blizzard and I don't know um maybe you guys can let me know how how many games you've played from Blizzard or if you're into I I know you play Overwatch both of you but uh you know I've been a fan I pretty much own every Blizzard game and usually play a decent amount kind of minus Overwatch I'd say I played a decent amount of all the other games so it's um it's sad to think that they're going to be shifting from just putting everything into designing a great game more and more into oh how can we cut corners how can we save money what games can we push out that will make money so what are your thoughts i'll say from my perspective i mean i've played the overwatch i mean played call of duty destiny you know i mean even the throwback like candy crush bro and like world of warcraft if they want to you know give it that so-called cut corners i mean call of duty for example like there's so many little like nitty-gritty details in those games or even like destiny that i don't want to say make the game but it makes the game better like what what are they going to cut out that's going to make it like stay the same but like save them money i don't know how they could really do that 
like everybody's trying to get into like the the future of 4k gaming and like the next generation of consoles and stuff like that if they're gonna cut out money how are they gonna like continue to better stuff i guess i'm kind of saying like yeah yeah and i think i think like the big thing with this is as far as the blizzard side of games it's always taken them quite a while like i i want to say it's it was like a decade between the diablos and i think what i get from this article is that they're sending people in saying hey you you know this is how like overwatch performed really well now you need to keep pushing out content which is also why a lot of people are frustrated with the diablo immortals uh, mobile game because i think they think that activision is having influence on them and uh you know kind of pushing more of these things out which that's its own argument like i personally like mobile games and i glad that i'll get to play a mobile diablo i wasn't all up in arms like other people but uh yeah i just think that there's worry that it's going to be pushing games out sooner rather than giving that full you know if if you're spending 10 years on a game and then now you're only spending three years you know what what's the difference there you know what's getting cut or what's happening that's making it that faster maybe technology is just that much better but i doubt it yeah (laughs) i mean yeah the whole technology's advancing and all these other like arguments yeah they're completely valid but at the same time i mean this is going to be a really like stupid comparison but like going from like last year's iphone to this year's iphone not much really changed i mean if they're going to be pumping out you know like you said, like putting out like a Diablo every year, every other year, you can't do much different unless it's just going to be completely like different storylines, which would kind of defeat the purpose of like doing a continued series like that. I mean, Call of Duty is, it's the same game, but it's like a different game, like different time periods and all that stuff. Like I feel like that's about the only way they could get by doing something like that every year or like you know every two years three years yeah well i know like another shift the reason why they're going mobile is mobile right now is 51 percent of the gaming market which if you're not a big mobile that kind of like blows your mind but mobile makes the most amount of money for any game company at this moment because there's non-hardcore gamers that are willing to spend their money to pay to win or anything of the sorts, buy little skins for their phones, because phones are the most accessible gaming platform at this age of time. So it makes perfect sense for them to go mobile. Um, I also did a little research last night um, with uh, Diablo Immortals. It was actually a secondary, essentially, team like their B team that teamed up with the Chinese uh, publisher or sorry, developer that helps make the Diablo Immortals game. And their whole goal was for the Chinese market. But I'm assuming Activision was like, no, we need to publish this for the entire world. So that's why it was kind of 
last minute type announcements where no one was expecting it to come out for mobile. But in a company standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And if you, like I said, go over and read that article because they actually do reference like all of that. Uh, they even, I want to, you know, and unfortunately I, I didn't have the exact quote, but there was mention in the article that like typically a game like Diablo Immortal would go out earlier in China as even, even in like an alpha state, it would be released because that's just how the market is over there. But instead, they decided to hold it to be worldwide release at the same time. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah, they I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, it's going to make them tons of money. Um, I guess I just worry about how, how games are going to go. And I think the biggest thing for me that influences that as far as Activision is just pretty much how Destiny has turned out. You know, how Destiny 1 was supposed to have such a great story and was apparently scrapped. Yeah. Uh, and basically came out with a bare-bones kind of story, but not really. It didn't make sense. Um, and they they have slowly, like, improved. But, I mean, just like last week, Activision said that they were uh, disappointed with the performance of Forsaken. Which, in my opinion, is like the best thing to happen to Destiny, you know, since probably the Taken King. You know, it was it was a big expansion that actually improved things, and they're disappointed disappointed in the performance. So, you know, how is that going to affect their deal going forward? How much are they going to influence Bungie? And I know Bungie has said that they, you know, are dedicated to doing how they want to do, but at the end of the day, you know. The people that control the money, unfortunately, have a say, and we've seen it, especially within that game. Well, so and I, I don't feel, know. I feel like, like you said, I mean, Destiny kind of shot itself in the foot with the first game. Like, yeah, they they slowly added stuff towards the end of Destiny One to make it better, but by the time with a game being out for over a year i mean your player base is gonna fall off so much if people are not enjoying themselves or like like you said like not really understanding what's going on if you're gonna take that long to generate dlc or you know better your game or performance wise or multiplayer wise or whatever the case is you're like i said you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and you know losing your player base as it is with Waiting through Destiny 2 for how long? I mean, Destiny 2's been out for over a year now, or about a year now. And for them to put out that expansion when it came out in September? Yep. I mean, they've they've waited all the way through Destiny 1 to get one sick expansion. Then Destiny 2 came out. And I mean, in my opinion, Destiny 2 was basically Destiny 1, just like another DLC that they put on a disc in my opinion it was good but like it's not something that like oh destiny's putting out another expansion i need to go play it like i don't know i felt like i was i wouldn't say i was disappointed in destiny 1 because i really enjoyed it but through the end of it i was like oh destiny 2 like i wonder if it's just going to be expansion i wonder if it's going to be a completely 
you know, different game or what are they going to do differently? And then playing through Destiny 2 in the beginning, I was kind of like, yeah, this is cool, but it just feels like Destiny 1 with, you know, added bells and whistles. So yeah. I feel like they've lost so much of their player base over the last, even the last six months that I'm not surprised that they aren't impressed by their numbers. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny you bring it up like that, too, because, like, I'm a firm believer in the fact that Destiny should have remained how it how it was. It should have been Destiny 1, and it just should have been expansion after expansion. I think that was the better way for them to do it. Because with Destiny 2, it was just more of the same, but then they changed up all the stuff that people liked. But... And they took away all of our other stuff. And it's just, as I play Destiny 2, every time I play it, it doesn't matter. I just feel this urge, like, I just wish I could go to Earth. I wish I could go visit these other places that I've been. I wish they would have just put more story into those places, you know, after the events of Destiny 2. But instead, they're just like, oh, we're going to come out with a new game. And the thing is... Their plans are to do the same for Destiny 3. What are they going to do? Blow up this tower? And then we start all over again. It's like, what was the point of that? Especially at the beginning, no matter what they say, their original messaging was this was a 10-year game. And everyone, including myself, and I guess I can't say everyone, but a lot of people took that as it's going to be an MMO-like game. It's going to be like World of Warcraft. I can get on and play World of Warcraft and do any of the content I want, but I can also play the new stuff every time it comes out mm-hmm. and then go back to what I want. Right. And I, I wish it would have stayed like that, to be honest. I think it would have been better for them. But Yeah, like like you said, continuing it, Destiny 1, you know, building a story around the the skeleton they basically gave it in Destiny 1, you know, doing, you know two three big expansions a year or even just doing two big expansions a year you know every six months just keeping the game fresh but like you know adding new stuff not making it the same thing and just you know oh going from this world to battle a new monster or you know expanding it and keeping it new instead of you know basically just remaking destiny one just having different yeah. different aspects behind it yeah, and all they did was basically make it so people getting into Destiny 2 who didn't play 1 had to go back and play 1 versus let's just keep everything together and you can start and know everything you want from the first one. I don't know. I it's it's whatever at this point cuz it's it's done, but <laughs> it's just a disappointing because I think, you know, like they could have had something really great and to me it's just mediocre it's unfortunate very unfortunate it was a very good game and i mean all dude like i worked at gamestop last yet last uh fall and all the hype around destiny 2 was like people were so excited for a new game for you know all these new possibilities and then a month after it came out, people are like, dude, Destiny 2 is like Destiny 1.5. Like, it's just I don't another know. full-fledged expansion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, last, last thing for me so we could move on, yeah. but like, 
one of the big things um that a lot of people loved about Destiny was the uh Trials. Why am I Trials of Osiris, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The original one. I mean, imagine if it was just Destiny 2 was like Revenge of the Cabal expansion instead of Destiny 2. Imagine the fact that you could still be going and playing that thing that like everyone loved and like maybe they would have reworked it or changed the location of the guy, you know, instead of at the the reef or whatever, but you were still playing that every week and it was something that some people loved so much about the competitive and I mean I did too. It was so good. And Instead, we got a new piece of trash that they don't even have for this season. Like, we haven't played it the last few months, and I guess it might come back for next season. I don't, I haven't kept up with the news, but it's just like that's just one example of all these good things that could have just still been there that you didn't even have to mess with, really. Like, you might have had to mess with like the new maps to tweak, but otherwise, you had that core gameplay. I mean, and just PvP in general. Like, they've kind of shifted back to the way it was in Destiny 1, but if it would have just been an expansion, then you would have been good to go. I don't know. Well, yeah, I like that. And I mean, even with Destiny 1, I mean, Bungie was a big part of Destiny and everything like that. I mean, if they would have kept, like you said, with Trials, I mean, that could have even turned into competitive playlists, and Destiny could have taken on a whole another world of like what the game could have been because i mean <clears throat> with trials of osiris it reminded me a lot of halo and the competitive playlist style of halo so i mean just biting on that i feel like it could have been so much more in that if they had continued with that you know turning it into a competitive style game or you know having its own competitive style playlist and stuff like that could have just could have made a, a, a whole anything. new game, dude. Yeah. Like, I understand the PvP or PvE aspect. Like, rating is phenomenal. But the PvP is kind of empty. Like, there was no aspirations besides um, Lord Jacks, Shacks, Shacks, And, like, just getting that. But, I mean, like, people want to go for the number one spot. Like, that's the whole point of, like, playing a game like, I don't know. Uh, Call of Duty is getting to the top rank and then leaderboards. As far as I know, Destiny doesn't have that. Yeah. I mean, they have, like, Valor, and you can, like, prestige their their version of it. Um, but it's, first of all, a massive grind <laughs> to do. It's more grind than fun. It's not like you're seeing a level every few games, you know? It's more like there's only like five levels or something of uh, they call it valor. It's valor and glory depending on, you know, competitive or just regular. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's uh I just feel like they missed a lot of different opportunities for almost everything. So yeah. All right, so let's uh talk about Sony skipping E3. Uh which essentially happened they uh <laughs> they announced that they're gonna be skipping e3 and game informer asked them if they'll do like a 
a off-site thing like EA does, and they said they'll have no presence at E3. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of get your your guys' thoughts because, you know, the, the, the few things that I talked about were as someone who has, you know, been wanting to go and, like, no, maybe I wouldn't have gone this year, but, you know, it would suck to think, hey, finally going to E3, going to check it out, and, oh, one of the big uh, presenters isn't there, and I won't be able to see the stuff on the, the showroom floor and stuff. So um, that, and then um, I really thought it was interesting as far as what third-party people will do, and, you know, could Xbox maybe pull back things like COD exclusivity and stuff because they're going to be there to support the third parties this year while Sony's sort of just leaving them in the lurch. So what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, in my opinion, I was... So coming off of E3 this year, I wasn't impressed with Sony like at all. What they, I think they showcased like, like what, five or six games? through their whole presentation um i feel like their presentation this year kind of like bit themselves in the foot a little bit um i talked about this on my facebook a little bit and there are quite a few people talking about it um one of the points that one of my friends made is like sony has the the vr system which i mean they they've done like a good good amount of stuff with it but i feel like they haven't like dived into what the real possibility is they could expand off of that and do something drastic at a different conference but their overall like presence at e3 was not the greatest this year and i don't know what they could really do in 2019 like you know redeem themselves almost i don't want to say it's like a cop-out because i don't mean that at all but like i don't know what their plan is to really like go from here dude it's like i don't know that's just how i feel about it i guess yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what their actual reasoning is if they even give one for not going there because e3 is huge like it's a amazing way for developers to show what they're coming out with and get hype going and that's mainly what it is is a hype train so it's it's gonna be interesting because playstation has been there for the indie developers they've been i'd say personally more than xbox especially when the ps4 first came out is that's what they kind of like advertise themselves for is hey, we're there for the indies. And now they're kind of, like Frank said, just backed out. So now Xbox or Microsoft does have that opportunity to jump in and hopefully for them to take it from Sony. But no, I, yeah, mean, I we'll agree with that see 100%. what happens. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, all these up-and-coming games or, you know, like coming 20, you know, 2020 games all these games like oh sony's a huge platform what are these companies going to be thinking now like oh sony's not having a presence there well i don't really want to you know dive in and try and be a part of sony now well xbox is going to be there microsoft 
uh, you know, let's see what opportunities we can have with them. Or I mean, even with like Nintendo, like Nintendo's a completely different beast, but you know, what are these smaller companies or up and coming like indie games, like you said, going to be able to do now trying to promote their game or, you know, have something new coming that they weren't able to do last year. Maybe it's Sony just speculation here. Cause I've, I'm guessing that the PS five is going to be coming out here very shortly. And maybe it's their way of setting that up and trying to get stuff going for that. But that even then that doesn't make that much sense. So it's, well, yeah, I mean, why would you completely pull from a, the, one of the biggest press conferences of the year? I mean, if you were going to do the, ps5 i mean i feel like that would be that'd be the main time to do it yeah that it just i don't i can't even fathom what they're thinking why they would skip it Hmm. yeah i mean it could it could be like you said it's just they don't have anything new you know honestly i've heard some people talk and write about they think like all the big four games they talked about, well, Spider-Man obviously already came out, but the other ones are coming next year. I'm not so sure that all of those games are coming next year. Like, I don't think we have enough uh, information from all of them. I'm thinking maybe The Last of Us Part Two will be a fall release. Well, yeah, they did. But... I'm looking at their, their showcase from last year. It says they had The Death Stranding, Last of Us 2, and Ghost of... Tushima, um, and none of them have release dates as of right now. They're all expecting, yeah. air quotes here, expecting later half of 2019 or even into 2020. But I mean, with yeah. them backing out, what you know, that might even push their dates back even farther because you know they expect to have a conference this year. They're putting together their trailers or their presentations, and all of a sudden, Sony backs out. I mean. I feel like that's gonna that's gonna hurt a lot of these companies and hurt Sony's partnership with a lot of these companies too. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting what they're gonna do, honestly. And it could be a, could be a good thing for Xbox. The other thing about both of these, both of the companies too, real quick is from my perspective, it seems like Sony's just on top. They have what they have, and yeah, they're working on PS5, that's obvious, but what else are they working on? I don't think it's anything that they can announce yet, because if it's like Death Stranding, they can't possibly afford to announce another game like that that's just going to linger from year to year to year. But on the other side, to me, I think that Xbox just has this like roadmap for like the next five years, it see it just seems like they they have an idea of what they're gonna do. I think they're confident in it, and that makes me excited for what Xbox has going. Just because I don't know, they don't seem to you know blink an eye as far as as soon as Sony said they're not gonna be there, they're like, well, we'll be there. We got tons of stuff to show. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, like. I feel like Xbox's so. Microsoft's president at E3 last year was like really good. And I'm going to say it just because I kind of, I'm a little biased towards Xbox because I've been an Xbox person for probably 10 years now. But like, 
like you said, I feel like Xbox has, you know, their five-year, 10-year plan of what they're doing to just simply continue to make Xbox better. I mean, you know, think about it when the Xbox One first came out. It was brand new platform, all these new games coming out. They're expecting to do all these big things. And every year when they've gone to E3, they've done something better. I think the biggest thing that they did last year was, you know, just how, well, for example, they started with like, um, revert or backwards compatibility, adding all the, like the 360 games, you know, being able to play those backwards compatible, then coming into like game pass where you pay the, whatever it is, $10 a month. And you have 500 games on your console. I mean, they just continue to add these better things, getting into like 4k and doing the one X and, you know, HDR and all these extra things. I feel like they have so much like that they haven't even like talked about or even like, you know, backyard whispered about that they have planned. That's just going to continue to make everything Xbox better. And just the aspect of Sony, like, Hey, we're just going to go do our own thing this year. Like, I don't think many people enjoyed it, but you know, they might have something just ready to drop a bomb on all of us and, yeah. So it's it's good because I know both of you guys are both Xbox fans or more over Sony. I'm more of a Sony guy, so it's good that we have this. But to bring it up, so Xbox just brought out, or not just brought out, but recently the Xbox Game Pass. Uh, Sony has had that for many years now. Uh, I, I'm feeling like Sony was in the forefront, and now Xbox is coming back with some of these things that Sony has had. But them missing E3, it may not be huge in some people's eyes, but it is. Because it's like they that huge giant of a presence isn't going to be there looming over Xbox. And now Xbox is just going to be like a free angel and just shower everyone with their glow and show them like, hey, Sony was above us, but now they're not here. So come, come enjoy us. So it's it's just I'm feeling like Xbox is catching up to what Sony had going for them, which is good. Like there should always be competition in that aspect. But one thing I'm still feeling like I've felt like this for a while is, or at least since a couple of years, Xbox doesn't have many exclusives. Like 2019, they have Gears of War Five coming out. To me, that's that's nothing. That's that's just well they also have ori which may not be for everyone but it is gonna be an amazing game <laughs> ori what is it ori and the and the will of the wisps the second ori game is that xbox only oh uh, it may be pc too okay but that's because they do that play yeah anywhere, xbox so. one pc but it, i'm i'm just saying like pure ps4 like xbox has almost Nothing. I understand because PC, like that makes perfect sense. But PS4 just drags Microsoft Xbox through the dirt and exclusives. Like it's to me, that is why I'm more of a Sony fanboy because they just have amazing exclusives compared to Xbox. But the ones Xbox does have are pretty solid. Like they've been around for years. It's they have great fan bases to it. Well, and I think 
I mean, I'm not gonna like take away from like your exclusivity and stuff, but like, for example, like Sea of Thieves, uh, like Forza Horizon Four. I mean, I I feel like a lot of their Game Pass games are more exclusive to Xbox, and you're not gonna see on PS4. But I feel like they put those there because they want to drive the Xbox side of it, and they're not gonna put more of these for like like Halo and Gears of War and Sea of Thieves and Forza and you know decay or state of decay and like those type of games they're all gonna drive those xbox style sales when on the ps4 side or the place or sony side a lot of their games that you see um on their side i feel like majority of those are you know both platforms or even on like their their free gold games every month that they do on playstation like a lot of the ones that i've seen on there you can find on both systems so I'm not like yep. making an argument about it, but like at the same time, like there's good exclusives to Xbox, but they're just like not as promoted by Microsoft because Sony has, you know, oh, it's exclusive Sony licensing and blah 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 blah. I don't feel like Microsoft does as great of a job with their exclusivity like promotion stuff as sony does i would say the reason behind that so like like you mentioned sea of thieves is made by rare rare is owned by microsoft um halo is made by 343 studios now owned by microsoft forza i don't know who develops it but it's owned by microsoft yeah it's all these are owned by microsoft so that's why it's entirely different and that's why they don't i would say they don't brag about it but they do but when Sony brags about it, like they got Final Fantasy VII Remake coming out, which is by Square Enix. That's an entirely different company going exclusively on the PS4. So it's like that is, in my mind, 100% more ways or like a better way to brag about it. Death Stranding, made by an entirely different company, not owned by Sony, going only on the PS4. So that's why it's like... In my mind, that is a bigger deal than like Sea of Thieves because it's theoretically just owned by Microsoft and they're only going to be putting it on Microsoft platforms. Hmm. But I, I, I understand. You, I think you lost me a little bit there. Oh. You're, you're saying that because Microsoft bought studios that they're not the same as Sony's first-party studios? Because I don't think that's... No, so <laughs> what I'm saying is it's a different... It's different because it's like... So PS4's exclusives aren't owned by Sony, but the Microsoft exclusives are owned by Microsoft, so it makes sense why they're exclusive to that one platform, while the ones that are on PS4... You're the studios. But some of, like, God of War is by a sony studio okay that's but like spider-man was yes insomniac yep. which you know insomniac worked with xbox for um oh, why am i blinking on it crash that one game no it's not crash no <laughs> no the uh the one that just came out for pc what it's uh sunset overdrive oh well yeah like like there's like sunset overdrive there's like quantum break i mean um playground games was the one that did forza but like i mean there's some studios i mean even like cuphead cuphead is no 
um, ties to Microsoft, and that's what is what the, I don't even know what their studio is, but yeah. you know, oh, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm just saying that Microsoft's big exclusives, like the big name ones. So, let, like you were saying, Forza, Halo, uh, Sea of Thieves, those are in my term, my books, big ones um, that are out there everywhere, advertised and whatnot, owned by Microsoft. I'm not, I'm not trying to say like. Oh, they're not good or anything. I'm just saying the exclusives that Sony has are mainly not owned by Sony. So in my mind, I'm just in my opinion, that's it. That to me like says it's that's a lot more of an impact for the console the console than um like a game owned by Microsoft. I'm not saying the game is terrible or even if the exclusive for Sony is terrible. It's just in my book that calls out to me a lot more. They just have, you know, more so, yeah. more like offset not Sony owned yes. games that they're Different to, promoting yes. better. They're I'm just better. saying so like, just, yeah. yeah. I guess I'm going to have to disagree with you, but just to sum it up, because I think this is what you're saying, you're saying a third-party exclusive makes the system better the more they have of them versus first-party exclusives? Not better, but I would more say... More desirable? Kind of, yeah. It's it's like, it's just saying that but company... Why? Well, it's... In my eyes, it's, let's say, um, Square Enix. I know they've mainly always been Sony, but in their, let's just say they compare the two systems, and they're like, oh, the PS4 is technically better hardware and everything, so we're going to make a game on this platform. Or it's easier to make it, because that's I feel like that's what Sony goes for, is to make games decently easy to make on there, so that's why independents tend to go for Sony. Or at least that's when I read way back when the PS4 first came out. But it's just, in my mind, that makes this console a stronger piece. Kind of. Okay. Yeah, we'll just have to disagree on it. Yeah, I just, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, uh, first of all, if you, if you went wanted pure power, I mean, there's, there's no argument that the One X is better. So if you wanted your game to run the best, look the best, you would develop it in that. With that in mind, now I understand that there would be the one, the the X, Xbox One uh, S, which would be you know you'd have to kind of tailor to both. But they also do that for the PlayStation because they have to tailor for PlayStation Four and PlayStation Four Pro. Um, I would be very surprised if it's so much more easy to develop on PlayStation than Xbox. Um, but obviously I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess that for me, that's not what sells. What sells me is like, Oh, you have Spider-Man, this global, huge superhero IP that you unfortunately have the rights to, so it can't come to Xbox, even though I'm sure Marvel would have loved to sell it everywhere. Uh, you know, like, that's a big IP for them because it's just such a massive, well-known thing. And it's made by a very good developer. I mean, to me, that's what makes that exclusive so great versus anything else. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubting that Sony has way more exclusives. Uh, I just think that's going to change. I mean, that's the reason why Xbox has focused so much and even come out to announce all of these studios because they want people to know uh, that they're they're ready to give you exclusives. Even though I think that the weird thing, too, is that Phil Spencer, his big message is he wants everyone to game how they want to game, where they want to game. Uh, and I kind of, I, I really believe that. I To me, I think Microsoft wants to just help gaming. Like, they want to make money, but, like, let's look at it realistically. Microsoft makes their money in way, <laughs> way more places than Xbox. Uh, granted, it's been doing a lot better this year. I mean, they broke records as far as revenue. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I think that you're right. They have more exclusives, but I think that, if anything, they're going to be pretty even with exclusives next gen. Okay. I agree I with mean, that, especially with the, with like the Sony skipping E3 aspect of it. I feel like there's going to be a lot more of these, like we were saying, the smaller companies that are going to be wanting to get in exclusively. And I feel like Microsoft has a really big opportunity to jump on, jump on board with these smaller ones and get exclusivity. That's going to, you know, give them basically like the whole next, maybe two, three years of opportunities with some of these upcoming games. It'll be interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. And just to just to kind of dig back one quick note I want to say, like, I don't think there's that much of, like, a disparity between the two as far as indies. Like, I know Microsoft just hit, like, the ID program just hit, like, a thousand independent games, and they're about to roll out the winter of arcade and stuff. Um, so I think they do a good job with independent developers, too. Like, maybe when it first launched, it was a little bit different. But I think as far as as far as far it goes now, uh, I'm pretty sure they're pretty close. It, honestly, I think Nintendo is probably stealing <laughs> more thunder than anyone because they're putting every indie oh on the Switch. Oh, my God, dude. If you go on their marketplace right now, the f- next like probably three months, all you're gonna see, other than like the obvious ones like Smash and like I know I've seen the new Pokemon on there a whole bunch, and even like you know Super Mario World or Super Mario Odyssey and that stuff. All you see on there is indie games, except for the you know yep. top promoted like game of the year esque games. Yep. <laughs> they're going hard they're going Nintendo hard on the indies and the indies. thing is yeah they play well I, I mean like any game you like why wouldn't you like playing it on the go you know or just sitting on your couch without <laughs> I mean controls can be an issue sometimes though don't get me wrong oh, yeah. like Fortnite I cannot play that game in handheld mode at all <laughs> <laughs> but I have a pro controller so we're all good oh, oh wow Wow. All right, so uh, <laughs> we've we've sort of been all. It's funny our uh, our Activision uh, talk kind of went into Destiny talk, and our Sony talk kind of went into Xbox slash exclusivity slash other things. 
but uh, that's okay. Let's uh, move on over to Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, which, uh, Gavin, just to clarify, you're a Switchless noob. I do have the <laughs> Switch. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you do? Yes. Oh, you, you playing Pokemon, though? I'm a Pokemon less noob. Oh, okay. So we so, just had to find the right title. Yep. I, so he doesn't play Pokemon. I can't give my input on this one. Okay. Okay. Well, well okay. you, you well, can give your input. Have you seen anything on YouTube or like anything through Reddit it, about it? It reminds me of the classic Pokemon on the Game Boy. That's about all I really know. Okay. Honestly, I, I don't. Yeah, I haven't been watching any streams of it. It's I've seen little clips. That's about it. Okay. Well, I've been playing a lot of it, but I'm not quite there at the end. So I guess CJ, I'll let you kind of roll us into this and your thoughts because you've, you know, at least finished the core of the game. All right. Well, I'm just gonna say I love it. The aspect of how they it's basically a remake of yellow blue and red um i have like 30 hours into the game already um i have I'm like, i think i'm like four shy of having a full pokedex i really enjoy the aspect of the i wouldn't say like cross play but being able to use pokemon go as like an added benefit with mobile um i really enjoy that so like for example there's they always do the handful of exclusives to you know red versus blue while this one they did pikachu versus eevee there's i think 10 exclusives that you only can get like per game the aspect of not having to i mean not that people don't want to have friends but you don't want to have to trade with your friends or you know have nintendo network to be able to trade your pokemon um i really enjoy that aspect of it the one thing that I was iffy about diving into this one that I thought was going to be a real tie-up for a lot of people was not battling your Pokemon to like try and catch them. With this one, you it's just like Pokemon Go. You, you encounter them, and you instantly have the ability to catch them. I didn't think people were going to enjoy it. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. I, dude, I love it so much. <laughs> it makes everything like so much less of a like annoyance. I don't want to call it an annoyance because it isn't, but it feels like it would have it is when it isn't. Um yeah. <laughs> the aspect of catching legendaries, I do like you have to battle them in the time periods to weaken them and then once you beat them you can catch them. I like that. Um there's also, I mean, I don't want to like it's not really giving spoilers, but it kind of is. After you beat the Elite Four, you can go back and battle gym leaders again once a day. And if you beat them, the next day you go to battle them, they're going to be a little bit stronger. So you can just, like, it's a continued on game. It's not like once you beat the Elite Four and you complete the Pokedex, the game's over. Um, You can go back and battle all the gym leaders you want. You can go back and battle all the Elite Four. The Elite Four is going to stay the same, but that's really cool. Um, and then they have, I believe they're called pro trainers. So there's 150 pro trainers in the game. Um, each pro trainer has the one Pokemon that they're pro at. Um, and you can encounter all those guys after you beat the Elite Four. I like that aspect of it. I mean, it's... 
I wouldn't say it's like a new game, but it almost is a new game. Like there's so much stuff that they added with this that is really cool. Um, and I've heard, like, I mean, I shouldn't say I've heard, but in my stream, we've talked about like the possibilities of expansions with this that they could do if they really wanted to, you know, adding more Pokemon or adding the, the second regions or third regions and all that stuff. I mean, they could make this game so much better than it already is. There's so much going on with it that I feel like people don't see yet that they could do. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I love this game, dude. Well, I'm glad you, you brought that up because I was actually asking one of my other buddies what he thought, but what we kind of talked about is I, I think, if not expansions, I think that they're going to start putting out more games and they're gonna Let's Go is going to be its own series and it's going to go over all the regions Yep. Uh, one way or another. I can't foresee them not doing it. I think that I mean, I'm pretty sure I read that it's been breaking sales records. Oh yeah, and stuff, it's so. right now as of I mean, other than pre-order records cuz Smash has already set that. I saw that like 2 days ago, but this is the fastest selling Switch game like in the life of Switch right now. And it's been out really? for yeah. a week. Wow. Yeah. So it's big, and the thing is I don't like they change stuff up. But the, it's not like they're doing all these drastic things. I mean, they have the same layout as the original game. And that's all they would have to do for all these other games, too. might be harder once they get towards these newer generations because there was just more to them. Mm -hmm. But I I just I foresee them, like, having more Pokemon games. They're going to do the core one, you know, next year. But then maybe the year after, there's already Let's Go, you know, I don't know what they would do. <laughs> Let's go something from the Johto region. <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I foresee that happening. Or like he's like to me, it would be amazing if it was just expansions. The only thing that I think would be hard because I've thought about this before. Like I've always thought, like why can't they just make a Pokemon Game Boy MMO where it's like all of the regions in one? I think the main thing is, how do you cut, like, do you say you're required to start with new Pokemon in each region until you hit a certain level or get to certain badges? You know what I mean? Like, because obviously if you leveled all the way up through the first region, you'd have Pokemon that would just destroy the rest of the gyms and the other regions. Well, I mean, um, I think that's a good point. I mean, they could do, I mean, think about it like, in, I don't know if you watch the animes, but I, I loved watching the animes. Think yeah. about it like the yeah. anime ways. <laughs> like he always, at the end of whatever region he was in, he was, you know, releasing Pokemon, sending them to Oak or, you know, putting them in training or whatever. Say you, yep. say you did it the MMO style where, okay, you have, you have whatever your, your six main, your your PC locked on that region until you get to badge six, right? Then you can get back into your original region Pokemon, bring those out. Your your start with these, you know, six to ten Pokemon. Okay, you have to put three in training, release two of them, and then send the other, well, you know, you know, two, four to oak and then once you get to read or badge six or five or whatever they would decide they wanted to do your your pc box is unlocked and then you have full reign of whatever you had up to a degree i mean like level 60 or whatever i mean that's a little pushing it but 
you know, that'd be sick if they did it that way. I mean. Well, and then you made a good point, like, or, well, I guess we both kind of talked about it, but you know what I'm, I'm thinking here as we're talking is, you know how they do the whole, like, trading level, like, once you get this badge, Pokemon traded can, like, follow your orders as as long as they aren't over, like, level 20. Mm-hmm. They could possibly do that and just say, like, You're only you can now use your last level. region. Yeah, as long as they're not over this level, you can use them. That would be sweet, You know, yeah. something like that. I mean, that could that could make it work. So, I, I don't know. I think... Uh, I think that's going to be awesome, though, if they keep going. But as far as the game, let me just give you my thoughts. Um, I hope, first of all, they never go back to random encounters, even in the core games. The thing is, the way this is set up, the Pokemon show in the overworld, and they are random still. Oh, yeah. they're It's all... just now you get to see them. Yeah, they're all possibility-based. Like, I've been looking... I mean, I don't want to, like jump in on your spot here but i've been looking at um shiny encounter rates and like even just regular encounter rates there's guys in the in the new game that you're only going to see in specific locations you know less than one percent of the time so you i don't know i like that i think well in like on top of just the overall experience being better like for pe- for the hardcore people that like to hunt, like hunting shinies and stuff, I just think it's a much more fun way to do it. You know, you go in and out and you get to see the new, you know, Pokemon roaming around and you get to, you know, go up to whichever one you actually want to catch. I just think that's the way to go. Now, I'm guessing because they know the Coriolanians wants the battling, they're going to bring the battling back, but I just don't foresee a reason why they can't keep that aspect and just let you battle the Pokemon now um, instead of just throwing a Pokeball at it. So I hope they keep that. Um, Other than that, you know, the last few generations already had the kind of, uh, you know, like Pikachu does all of your special moves or whatever they already sort of had that implemented but you use different pokemon so i like that i like that you don't have to use a special move on one of your pokemon and make them you know have an extra slot used up Mm -hmm. uh i'm obviously they're gonna keep going with that i can't i couldn't see that you know with sun and moon and this one doing it i couldn't see them reverting back um yeah i think the whole catching them I was skeptical, skeptical, I said skeptical, uh, but it's a, it works pretty well. It's nice, you know, you catch the Pokemon, you, once you catch it, you get experience for your full team, that helps them level up, you know, same with battles, everyone's got the experience share kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not, like, too hard to level up. And they sort of scale things, so, like, if you're trying to get, like, evolved forms, you can go back and, you know, get a level 6 Pidgey, and then go catch a really high-level Pokemon, and the Pidgey will go up, like, five levels instantly from that. So it's not, like, super hard to go back and evolve Pokemon if you want, like, a live Pokedex, Pokedex, which is what I am going for. Um, So that's really nice. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the legendaries are cool. You get to fight them first, and then once you beat them, catch them. 
Um, I'll say it's kind of hard for me in handheld mode now because I use the Pokeball Plus. Thing, not Pokeball Plus, but Pokeball, yeah. whatever they call it. Uh, and, man, it's awesome. Like, I can't imagine. It's hard going to handheld mode and not playing that way. You know, just in the Joy-Con similar too, so it's not like you have to use the Pokeball Plus, but it just feels so awesome having your own Pokeball in your hand and throwing it, and uh, just the controls of it are nice. So it's always awkward. That's definitely the way to play. I would recommend if anyone's on the fence, just go for that ninety nine dollar uh, package. Plus, you get Mew. That which is one I thing that I that I haven't. I wish I got the Pokeball, but. I think I'm in like almost a different position than you. Like I obviously like having played it on stream, I have to play it with the joy con mode. You can't play it on not dock to stream, but like when I play it, just me, myself, I'm sitting watching TV playing, whatever. I almost enjoy it more in handheld mode just because I hate only using the one joy con. I mean, you don't, you don't really know what that's like because you have the pokeball, but I almost enjoy playing it handheld mode because i'm so used to using a regular controller where playing with just one one joy con one uh you know one stick like just the handful of buttons it's so different to me i'm like i don't like it almost i mean i'd I'd rather almost (laughs) prefer to play handheld mode the only thing i don't like about handheld mode is the when you're trying to catch pokemon and you like tilt the game up and down left and right your screen moves that's the only thing i don't like but I feel like I'm almost opposite than you. I don't I don't really like enjoying the single Joy-Con. I feel like it would be so much better if you were able to use two Joy-Cons docked mode giving you that option instead of just having to use one. I would like that better. Yeah. And and that's the the thing too is like typically I don't like I never dock the Switch. Pokémon's the first game I've actually docked the Switch for. <laughs> so, uh like I, I wouldn't say I'm like against you as far as that. Like I love using handheld mode. It's just for whatever reason I got the Pokemon and was like, you know what, screw it, we're gonna try it because I have it, and it's just such an amazing experience because it's not just the the normal throwing. It's just the built in, like because every time like the ball shakes, it vibrates and like blinks the light and every time you catch a pokemon it does the cry for every pokemon right on the pokeball mm-hmm. so it's just like a more kind of in-depth experience making me feel like I'm, I'm more of a real tra- oh, yeah, and trainer like, you know <laughs> like i said i don't have the pokeball plus so it'd be a totally different experience like you say if i did that yeah you know, it would almost be more enticing to play docked versus playing handheld but you don't know but yeah, yeah. So yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't for that though, like I I definitely I haven't even tried with the Joy-Con, so I really oh, don't. I know wouldn't recommend how it. that Compared feels if, in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> you have the Pokeball, dude. Use the Pokeball. Yeah, because the Pokeball, the way they made it, is nice. Like the thumb is the little joystick, and then like your index finger is like sit, sitting on a top button. So it's just like A and B button. That's all it is, and um. It's kind of frustrating for some things, like when you need to push Y. Mm-hmm. Like instead of pushing Y, you have to actually manually like moving a Pokemon. You have to click on it and then do move Pokemon versus just Y. Yeah. But like those are little things. Yeah. Either way, like that's uh, it's awesome. 
to play like that, which is why I haven't been playing as much in handheld, but uh, I probably will do about the same amount of both. Like, they're both equally fine. I would I would agree with you, the one gripe is the whole moving the system uh, where the Pokemon's moving to catch it. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I really like the game. Uh, I like how you can catch almost every Pokemon, minus the exclusives. You know, with the Safari Zone being gone, you can now just catch those Pokemon in the wild. Things like that's really awesome. Have you um, um, used the um, Pokemon Go aspect at all? You know, I haven't. I really want to. Well, see, I don't foresee myself trading a lot of my Pokemon from Pokemon Go because I like keeping my live decks on there. Yeah. Um. Did you know that, I mean... So there's a, I mean, it's kind of already out and known, but if you trade any Pokemon, so say you were going into your backyard right now and catch a a Pidgey, for example. If you trade your Pidgey to Let's Go, you gain a candy in uh, Pokemon Go for it, and right now they're doing, uh, it's almost like a a lure incense for um, Meltan. So you can go get Meltan in pokemon go right now if you trade any pokemon from pokemon go to let's go oh really yeah. like you don't have to do the whole you don't like, have to do the quest whole quest line or anything you can go catch them right now oh. and get well then 25 <laughs> it's a half an hour lure for meltan and then obviously if you use any of your berries for um extra candies or any of that stuff you could get um evolved meltan you know possibly by the end of the day if you have enough candies and all that extra stuff but the only downside to that is you only can use that meltan lure once a week it locks you out from using it on pokemon go um for seven days if you use it once but basically what you're saying is i should if i'm going to transfer pokemon on pokemon go i might as well just send it to let's go because i'm going to be getting a candy anyway right so that's what I need to be doing. I did not know that. So thanks for telling yeah, me. <laughs> plus you get the aspect of getting Meltan instead of having to do the whole quest line. Yeah. And then if you really wanted and... to, you could get Meltan. So little, you know, quick quick story here. Pokemon Go, transfer your Pokemon into Let's Go. You get the Meltan in Pokemon Pokemon Go on your mobile. You can then take yep. any extra Meltan you don't use, put them into Pokemon Let's Go. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i definitely have to do that. I'm glad you told if me. If you have extra Alola I'll regions, be... you can get them on Pokemon Let's Go. I mean, dude, there's, yep. there's all these extra things you could do. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty. Plenty of stuff to do. I'll say overall, <laughs> the game... With the whole, like, catching Pokemon, ex- getting the experience, if if you weren't, like, a uh, hardcore, I want to collect all the Pokemon kind of player, it would be more streamlined, like, as far as, like, getting done with the game, the amount of time it took you, I think. Uh, it feels like if I wouldn't have been doing side stuff, like, all my Pokemon are well above the level of gym leaders and stuff. They're, like, ten levels over, so... If I just played normal, they probably wouldn't be 10 levels over, but they'd probably be on par enough for me to beat them. 
So, like, that's probably one of the downsides to the game. If you're just like, hey, I want to go play it, you could probably beat it pretty fast. Oh, yeah, like, that's how I like played it. I played it four hours fast, oh, no, no, but no, no, pretty no. fast. Yeah, that's how I played it. I played it on par with what the gym leaders were at. I mean, there was a couple times where I was just getting wrecked, dude, and I had to train. Like, I was like, man, I don't want to have to go in you know, grind catching Pokemon for the next 25 minutes Yo. just so I can level up. But I mean, if you want to play the game through um, level for level, you absolutely can. I mean, if you know weaknesses and strengths and all that stuff, but you know, for people that want to, you know, play the game and enjoy it and make the game last, you absolutely can go and grind all your Pokemon up to you know 15 levels ahead and just blow the whole team out of the water and do you know like the side things like catching shinies or you know going for a complete pokedex because that's what i'm working on now that i've beat the elite four i think like i said i'm only four or five pokemon from a complete dex and they're just evolutions other than mewtwo because i haven't caught him yet but okay yeah so overall good impressions of pokemon uh, to finish it up, I would just like Gavin's opinion. So, like, are you just not into Pokemon, or like, what's the deal? Why, why is this not on your Switch? Um, I honestly haven't played a Pokemon game since Pokemon Silver, so I'm just very, very out of the loop. But oh, okay. I really have been thinking about getting it, so it's it's something okay. on my radar because it does look very fun. It reminds me of the classic games, which. Are amazing, but it's just something that I haven't purchased at this moment. Okay, so you—it's a maybe for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, cool. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty much most of the stuff for the podcast. So we're gonna end it up here. Uh, I just wanted to kind of give you guys a chance to shout out, you know, what you work on YouTube and streams and stuff like that, and then where people can find you on Twitter. So. Uh, Gavin, where can everyone find you? Uh, mainly on Mixer, so name is Giggle Wiggles, nice and simple. That's my main platform at this moment. Still working on the YouTube and uh, social media thing, but mainly it's the whole Mixer thing. Okay. Uh, CJ? Uh, CJ Schultz, you can find me on just about anything. YouTube, Twitch, Mixer, twitter youtube like literally just about anything it's all cj schultz okay all right uh and then you can find me at frank cruiser on twitter and uh i also do another podcast honor the x so that's the only other thing i'm really working on haven't been streaming much lately so uh you can find me there and of course all of these things will be on the uh description for youtube so you can get everybody's links if you need to from there. Uh, and yeah, I think that'll be about it. You should be able to find this podcast on all the, the main providers soon. If it, if it's only on YouTube now, then uh, it will be on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, and SoundCloud eventually. So just keep a, keep a lookout. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.